Well, hello family. Uh, I feel on my heart to roll out another video for a couple reasons. One is to maybe augment a little bit the last one, or how about augment a lot bit, because I can see how some people would misapply some of the stuff that was said and turn it into self-condemnation or hopelessness. And this is where I'm talking about the Lord dealing with our headship, a spirit of self-God, a spirit of selfishness. And this is happening because other ministers have been posting dreams where they're having the same conversation with the Lord. Things like on selfishness. Well, what I say to that is we are human and don't abuse the privilege. <laughs> not, not that selfishness is a privilege, but it's common to all of us. It's in our DNA, and God will deal with us on whatever level we're at. But there are people out there that are totally smashed and beat up and black and blue, the black and blue butterfly, or as some people are becoming, the black and bloody butterfly. And if you're crying out to God saying, make it stop, please end this, please come back, you know, take us out of here. I'm not finding too much selfishness in that request to the Lord. And I'll remind you that when Jesus was in the garden, he said, Father, I don't want to do this. But because of my great love for you and because of my great love for my bride, not my will, but your will be done. And that was a mental anguish he was going through at the time in the garden. You know he's being pressed from all sides, especially from his heavenly father, because it was going to be a total and a complete sacrifice. That's what you see in all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, especially the red heifer. It is a complete sacrifice. There is nothing left of that thing. Not even its innards or its hooves or its horns or its bones. It is total ash. And that's what Jesus became for our sin. So he went through that. And on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, Jesus, you're just being selfish. No, he was being human. He was being the man he was, and he wanted things to stop. So I think what the Lord was showing us with this spirit of selfishness and self-God is what the Lord was going to deal with us on a personal level was pride and a sense of superiority over another brother or sister in Christ. That kingdom building that everybody wants to do. The narcissism. And even the bad things like low self-esteem, self-condemnation, all this other stuff, which is a dysfunction of our humanity. So not only the arrogant stuff that's in us, but also the self-harm stuff that's in us. So if you're being kicked a pillar to post, go ahead and cry out to the Lord, okay? And I think what Minister Claude was talking about, and now Ricardo Garcia, he had a dream or vision of the same thing. Well, there's a lot of Christians out there that are more in a state of inconvenience. Hey, Lord, bring the rapture because it's just not any fun down here. So stop with the breadcrumbs, get the job done, let's go home. You know, can you hear the arrogance in that? I think that is the selfishness that God really wants to dial in on and that the Lord would be very concerned about. And that's the risk we take by actually jumping into this parade of all this Fibonacci stuff and the restoration of the Masroth. And we forget one of the main things and the first and foremost things, and that is a deep, intimate relationship with Christ. And the Lord knows how to poke us, each and every one of us. He knows how to push the buttons to see if we're really in love with him or if we're in love with some kind of treasure hunt to find some type of rapture date. 
And my mind goes to when Jesus sent out 70 disciples and he said, don't worry about what you take with you. Just, you know, go out. Everything's going to be provided, which it was. And the kingdom of God's going to be manifest and we are going to kick face. And they went out and they came back and said, all the demons were subject to us. They had to do what we commanded of them in your name. Wow, isn't this exciting? And Jesus said, so what? Rejoice rather that your name is in the book of life. And a few days or a few weeks or a month or two later, he turns to these 70 and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And that that was required for eternal life and for him to dwell in them and them to dwell in him. That's John 6, verses 53 through 56. And verse 60 is, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear of it? Verse 66, From that time many of the disciples went back and no longer walked with him. And it looked like the only people left were the twelve. That's verse 67. And there he hit their sacred cow, because what he said did not line up with Hebrewism, which you don't drink somebody's blood, you don't eat a man's flesh. Freaked them out, they turned and left. Not even giving Jesus opportunity to say, what do you mean by that? You must mean something. This has got to be a metaphor on some level. And some did stay, and Jesus, over time, explained to them, I have to die. The blood has to be shed. I am the Lamb of God whose blood covers you in the covenant of God for the restoration and the atonement of God. You know, when it's explained like that, it makes total sense. Yeah, of course. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. But obviously, many of those 70 did not have enough trust in him or love for him to let him take that headship of thinking. So these 70 that Jesus sent out, who did wonderful works for the Lord under the anointing of God, were no longer walking with the Lord. So seriously, were they in love with the Lord? Did they want a deeper walk with the Lord? What was in their heart? What was motivating them to be hanging around in the first place? I mean, they were excited about the signs and the wonders. He actually poked their sacred cow of religion, their understanding of their religion. He offended it. And Jesus said, offenses must come, because that is the tool that God uses for separation. Aren't many of us excited about the signs and the wonders with the Fibonacci and this parade of the Maserat? Hmm, I wonder if the Lord's going to test our love and our relationship to him. What means more? Chasing after the rapture or chasing after him? One chase doesn't necessarily get you the other. Every one of our hearts will be tested. Sacred cows will be exposed and our headship or our thinking will be challenged. That's what that chopping block is for. And I'll tell you one thing, if you're black and blue or black and bloody and you're still hanging in there, well, I think you got God's permission to be screaming at him at some point. Just remember when you're done, just cool yourself up, place yourself in his bosom and start loving on him because I don't think he's angry or would call that selfishness. There's very little arrogance in that. That is total 100% honesty. And I'll be sharing with you another waking impression or an anointed daydream I had many years ago, just like the last one I shared with you in the last video, where me and God got down into a very honest conversation. And it all came to pass. But it showed me such a cool side of God, and it gave me an opportunity 
to share an honest heart with the Lord, my honest heart, though the honesty was quite brutal and not very Christ-like, but that's what he's looking for because that he can work with. And that'll be at the latter part of this video. I'm going to do something different this time. I'm going to start out with looking at the next stepping stones based on the multiple dreams that have come in since just the last video. I mean, it's amazing. And I'm kind of seeing a different tactic, possibly a different tactic, that the Lord is bringing to my attention. And I think what he's doing is circling the wagons, as it were, around these last two stepping stones. The one I brought to you just recently and this next one. Because I'm not seeing anything that's past the next one that's showing up. Not that that couldn't change and prob probably will. But I'm getting dreams from people that are highlighting what's happening right now in the next day or two and the last couple days right along with uh, something in a week or two. And I haven't seen that before. I haven't seen a replay of the current stepping stone that the Lord had us on. It's usually one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And that one, it's just going to take some time to see how that plays out. But I just have a kind of a sense of that. Um, not sure what that means. I guess I'll start with the dream that Olive Branch had. First, she saw a pink mist, a pink something going across the sky. And she saw the three moons, which I originally thought it was one moon phase crossing three celestial events represented by the butterfly the man's face, which is Aquarius, and an owl, which would be an owl nebula and or an owl constellation. But this all would happen in one moon phase. It turned out, however, that this was not the case. Turns out it was three moon phases, like 60 days. And in that dream, she saw the rat shoot across the horizon with three mice on its back. We figured out what that was about three, four weeks ago. That was the rat constellation, which is the Leo constellation, with two of the surviving mice being the mice galaxies that happen to sit right above Leo. And there we drew that Fibonacci curve that connected 18 to 20 contact points, which is just astronomically impossible. Well, that's going to happen again. I mean, the moon's going to go through that particular area here in a few days, and it will do that at some point every month from now until the new heavens and new earth. Because all those constellations and nebulas and galaxies, they are in a fixed location in respect to each other. But we first discovered it a month ago. And now we're going to see it again here shortly. And I'm bringing up this dream by Olive Branch, mainly because the Lord's been bugging me with it. And he goes, look, it's coming to pass. In fact, the full moon of January 6th is the last day of those three full moon phases that she saw. The first phase started back at the full moon of October, and we found that moon based on the blue butterfly nebula, which is right at the arrow tip of Sagittarius, kind of at the left foot of Scorpius. That's where the blue butterfly was. When that moon was there on the ecliptic, that's where I put the eye of the Fibonacci curve, and it came down right through Aquarius. And that's the smiling man she saw, because that's the only constellation that has a man's face on it that's smiling. And that happened on November 3rd, the day before Yom Kippur. And we kind of discerned that to be the initial mikvah of the bride, the moon, going through the cleansing waters of Aquarius and on to Orion, which is 1111. Orion is the manifestation of 1111. It is the countdown hub. Everything is coming from that 1111, from the right hand of Orion. 
And that next moon phase from Aquarius, the next full 30 days, put us in December on that full moon, which is around the 7th of December, which walked us through actually three owls. There's the Northern Owl Nebula right up by the large bear Ursa Major. There is the Southern Owl Nebula down around Hydra someplace. And then there is the former owl constellation kind of at the feet of Virgo, sinking its talents into the tail of Hydra. And that full moon phase ended on the 6th of January. And that's right in the middle of the Gemini constellation, just past the right hand of Orion, just over the Monkey Head Nebula, right over the head of Canis Minor, the little dog that Olive Branch saw and picked up. And now other people are seeing this little dog in their dreams and visions. So I'm thinking there's some significance with that little mutt. But Olive Branch just said she picked it up. She didn't say where she took it or how long she held it. But then she says, and then what happened next? And a lot of times I fail to pick up on that. Because when did that rat come across with three mice on its back? Was that sometime in between those three full moons with the butterfly, the man's face, and the owl in it? Did it happen sometime in between those? Or did it happen after that? When did she pick up that dog? Because the moon went by that dog in that 60 days, and it went by it three times. But I know one thing we didn't know was that tree. The next thing she saw was this tree with this bright light behind it, and this bright light turned into a big circular portal of exploding light. And we didn't know about these things, the specifics and the nuances of her narrative until just the last month. That tree being there is significant. That exploding ball of light just to the right of it is significant, as opposed to if it were on just to the left of it, because we now found a tree of life nebula. And the moon, which is God's laser pointer, you know, he's pointing here, 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 here with the moon. Follow the moon. And that moon will be a waning moon, almost a zero illumination, on January 19th. 119, or if you flip that, 911. And I probably received just in the last couple days dreams that point to that area of the ecliptic or celestial equator on that date. One being Minister Claude, who saw an angry dog, and somebody posted right behind him that they saw the same thing. And then I think he took his post down for some reason. But Sarah Starchild saw this vicious dog. I mean, it wanted to sink its teeth into everything. It was totally black with beady eyes, and both of them were wrestling with this dog in their dreams. Minister Claude was pushing it up against a wall, and I think we discovered what that is, which is most probably the Sagittarius to Carina constellation, cluster of stars, which is one of the arms of the Milky Way. You're just seeing the concentrated stars in one of the arms of the Milky Way. And you'll see it kind of as a fog or a cloud. Another person had a dream which talked about an area of beachy sand. Well, that's what it looks like. And another person saw this as a fence or gate. And that's what it is. Well, that dog is most probably lupus, which Centaurus is wrestling with. He's got this thing grabbed with its left hand, which another person saw in a dream. And he's running a spear through it. Well, Jesus is the greater Centaurus, and he's going to have something to say about this dog, or lupus, or wolf. 
And don't you know, right now, the, the moon phase we're coming into right now is called the wolf moon. Go ahead and Google it. The January full moon is called the wolf moon. And then Olive Branch sent and actually posted an addendum to this particular dream I just showed you where her computer kind of went goofy and was flipping this starburst over the pink mist back to the starburst. And the starburst happened at that tree, the Tree of Life Nebula. So in her narrative where she says, okay, saw these three moons and after this I saw all these shooting stars. Well, that's a meteor shower, and there's plenty of them, but there's only one meteor shower that the moon will go past after the completion of that third full moon with the owl in it. And the moon catches up to that. It's the Antillian meteor shower, and that happens around the 8th or 9th of January. And then, she says, we saw this rat with the three mice, and then the little dog, and then... This tree with this starburst on the right-hand side of it, well, that tells me that the better rendering of this is one event, then the next, then the next, then the next. The rat and the little dog did not happen between those three moons. It happened after, in sequence, which makes January 19th a very, very excellent candidate for something going pop. Now, Olive Branch did tell me in an email something more about the dog, and there she saw a fence, and I'll read it to you. The dog was cowering next to a small wood fence by the sidewalk. Well, our sidewalk has been the ecliptic, or the celestial equator, that the moon, the sun, and the planet have been parading on, or marching on. That sounds like a sidewalk to me, and the best I could do in finding what that wooden fence is well, I first thought it was the Golden Gate in Taurus, but that is a gold gate, not a wooden fence. Whereas that cloud cluster that I'm talking about that runs from Sagittarius all the way down to Argo, and that being one of the arms of the Milky Way, well, that has a very pronounced brown color to it. So until I can find something better, like a gate galaxy or a fence nebula, which I haven't found, I'm going with that. And Canis Minor, that little mutt, is real close to the bow of Argo. And that fence, which is also the cosmic cliff, makes up the majority of the keel of Argo. In fact, if you look at Stellarium and zoom in on Orion, the unicorn constellation, Argo, Canis Major, and Canis Minor, the little mutt, you will see the mist, as it were, of that Sagittarius to Carina constellation cloud cluster run all the way up to the right hand of Orion that is nearly touching the ecliptic. So I'm thinking that wooden fence or that wooden gate, or as I will talk about here shortly, that space tunnel actually starts at Orion and at the small dog and runs down and underneath Argo and then to the left and back up to Sagittarius. I mean, I don't know what else that fine mist in that area represents, especially when it's kind of attached to everything else. It's one long arm, if I can call it that, which would perfectly match one of the spiral arms of the Milky Way. In other words, that little dog is right up against that fence, right on that sidewalk or street that we've been walking on these last few months, which is Orion's Belt or the Ecliptic or call it the Celestial Equator. All these metaphors, all these types, all these themologies, they're all playing out. 
They're all right there for us to see. The dog, the fence, the street, the rat with three mice on its back, the three moon phases, everything I just talked about. It's all right there, right in our face. So anyway, we've got the little dog next to a wooden fence, next to a street. And I distinctly remember a dream that Magnolia Blossom shared, walking up, picking up a shell, and throwing it over a fence. Well, the shell galaxy is just under the Corvus constellation, or the Crow constellation, actually in the Hydra constellation. And right below it is that Sagittarius to Carina constellation cloud cluster that I just keep mentioning. Right above that cosmic cliff nebula that's on the stern of Argo. And that's one of the main portions of that fence, which is the one arm of the Milky Way. So again, we're having multiple dreams pointing to all these objects or all these players or all these contact points or whatever you want to call them. They're being repeated in dreams over and over again. And if that isn't enough, here I'm having an email conversation with Sarah Sarchild and she's talking about doing stuff on the computer with gnomes, you know, garden gnomes. And I thought, what do I have to lose? So I looked up Gnome Nebula. Guess what? There is a gnome nebula. I'll give you a couple guesses where it shows up. It's placed right in the middle of the Tarantula Nebula. And the Tarantula Nebula is right in the middle of the Magellanic Galaxy Clouds, right below the keel of Argo. Does God have a sense of humor or what? I mean, these things are just piling on. And yet, I still struggle with it. I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it. I'm hoping it's going to produce something more than entertainment and stepping stones. But since it's there, since it's real, since it's reproducible on Stellarium, and since it's providing this dance along the Mazareth of God, his true and most accurate Rolex, his calendar, well, I'm just going to keep putting the information out there, hoping that you all are going to go in Check it to see it's true that you may be more confident in your faith that God is bringing us to an eventual prophetic fulfillment of this black and blue butterfly dance that we're dancing. There's the math. I'm going to be referring to some other dreams and bringing them up, showing you this Fibonacci sword, as I call it, which we actually established by utilizing a Fibonacci curly Q application because of Minister Claude's five tarantula dream, which gave us the Tarantula Nebula just below the ship Argo in the Magellanic Galaxy Cloud. So, that red sword you're looking at, that's a legitimate Fibonacci something, which I like to call a Fibonacci sword because it was discovered and established using the Fibonacci curve. So here I get to go back and re-look at some of these dreams, in this case, Olive Branch's dreams, and I think a more correct rendering is this thing is meant to conclude on January 19th. And so I'm getting dreams that point to 9-1-1 or the 19th of January. And I'm still getting dreams coming in that people have just received that deal with, let's say, the 6th through the 8th. And I just got one from a relative talking about a full moon acting as a clock. A second moon behind it drops down at the 6th location. Well, that's the 6th of January goes counterclockwise up to the 12 o'clock position, gets pulled back into the moon. Well, that's the 12th of January. And off to the upper right, she sees the number 32. Well, that's the Andromeda galaxy 
that I revealed in the last video dealing with those three tents. The first tent having Perseus and Andromeda with that banner which dialed up to be M32, the Andromeda Galaxy. So here's someone just thousands of miles away from the other dreamer and thousands of miles away from me having the same dream. And all of these players have been identified and, as it were, documented on these black and blue butterfly videos. And now we're coming up on them on a second time. So, as it were, there's a second witness. And I highly doubt there's going to be a third witness. Now, it's possible that God's going to work us all the way through to the end of one Hebrew year. And that would be the day after the full complete solar eclipse on April 20th. So Rosh Hashanah will be on April 21st or 22nd, depending upon when that sighting of the first crescent sliver moon with the naked eye is actually experienced, either the 21st or the 22nd of April. And if you stop to think about it, God's not restoring the Greco-Roman calendar. He's restoring the Hebrew calendar. So technically speaking, we're kind of still in the year 2022. And maybe that's what God means about meeting in the middle. He's meeting in the middle of the two calendars. And January would be the perfect month for that. And I'm only saying that because that's a possibility. And I'm not getting anything as far as dreams from other people that it's past the 19th of January. And if I haven't mentioned it, and I think I have the big numbers that the Lord has given me and other people, and that's the number 919. Well, if that's talking about the ninth Hebrew month and the 19th day, that is actually January 11th, 111, kind of the short version of 1111. And then farther down the timeline, we have January 19th, which is 119, or in reverse, is 911. That was the number that Holly Two Moons gave in one of her last visions was 911. And y'all know what 911 stands for in other arenas. That's both a covenant number for Noah and a number of distress in our culture. And just a couple more dreams that point to January 19th. Sarah Starchild saw in a dream this huge blue shark, like a size of a whale. I think she said it was in an empty garage on the back wall. And she needed to stand on the left side of that garage at the tail end of that shark. I think I got that right. Sarah, correct me if I got any of that wrong. Just post it in the comment section. What we discovered through the last few months is that a lot of people saw like they're in a mall or in a building or some type of huge room. We'll come to find out a very good rendering of that would be the polymer globular clusters. And these clusters are sporadically spaced throughout the heavens. And the polymer cluster is made up of specific constellations that kind of make a room. And it's directly right over this area, say directly above Scorpius and Sagittarius. And here's a picture of it. And way up at the top of this room, you see the dark shark nebula. And it's positioned here on its back facing to your right. So it made total sense to me that she needs to stand to the left of it, which is directly over where this red sword was drawn about a month ago, showing these characters, these players in the Maserath, all connecting. And it's coming right down on the top of what's called the Large Sagittarius Star Cloud, which I mentioned earlier. 
which is the Sagittarius Carina star cloud that runs down the keel of Argo straight over to Sagittarius, which Sarah Starchild saw in previous dreams and current dreams as a tunnel, and involved with that tunnel is the figure eight and an hourglass. Well, both the butterfly nebula is hourglass shape, as in the twin jet nebula in the constellation Ophiuchus. I hope I said that right. As is the nebula designated M8. When you take 8 and put it on its side, that's the affinity symbol. And the number 8 looks like an hourglass. And I've just got reports from multiple people that other dreamers and ministers are seeing the number 8. And normally when I get a number... I'll put an M in front of it to see if I get a nebula or a galaxy, or put a K2 or K in front of it to see if I get an exoplanet. And in almost every case, that's what will come up. Well, M8 is the Lagoon Nebula, also known as the Hourglass Region, according to Stellarium. And it's right in that large Sagittarius star cloud, straight up from the tip of his arrow, right on the ecliptic or celestial equator. And this M8 Lagoon Nebula, which is in the Hourglass region, well, the region is called the Hourglass Cluster, Herschel 36. You can look it up on Stellarium under NGC 6530. So we got a couple of hourglasses going right on top of each other, and this is what Sarah Starchild was seeing, infinity signs and hourglasses. And if there's any doubt in your mind that I'm making any of this stuff up, or Sarah's making any of this stuff up, and the Lord is nowhere to be seen. Well, here I kind of dialed in Butterfly Nebula, because I'm trying to jump back and forth. There's a bunch of Butterfly Nebulas. We're finding mostly blue ones. But here I'm dialing up Butterfly Nebula, and what comes up as NGC 2346 in Stellarium, that's its designation, well, there's a butterfly nebula in that unicorn constellation that's just behind Orion, and it's called the Hourglass Planetary Nebula, another hourglass. And it's shaped as an hourglass, and it's also called the Crimson Butterfly Nebula. Now, if you've been, if you've been paying attention, I'm talking about people that are black and blue, and then I kind of dipped in there people that are past black and blue and they're black and bloody well crimson is the color of blood in this bloody butterfly an hourglass nebula a butterfly nebula is at the front of the tunnel that sarah starchild saw where she saw a bunch of white circles that began to appear and float around the top part of this huge infinity symbol she was looking at now, you'll need to go look at our last two postings. And here are the thumbnails for that, because I'll be making comments on both of them as if they were kind of the same dream. And she makes mention of that. She thinks they're connected, because we'll see that figure eight and the hourglass and the infinity symbol and a gyroscope. And I need to make comment on all these things as if it was kind of one dream, because it's telling me one storyline. And it's a biggie. And it's confirming all the other dreams that have been receiving these last couple days and some that have been received from weeks ago and actually months and years ago. So dial in her two dreams, check them out, 
and I will continue with my narrative. Now, before I forget, she references this right arm with a tattoo of a deer on it, or a buck. You can Google deer constellation, and it comes up as Orion. And that makes sense, because Orion is a hunter, and he would hunt deer. But it's important because God's pointing at Orion once again. So Orion continues to be the center where all the action is, where all these countdowns are. And we have a big countdown starting here because that is where the full moon was right around the 6th of January, right above Canis Mutt Minor, the little dog, where the monkey head nebula is located. And that crocodile constellation that I referred to earlier, or at least in the last video, that magnolia blossom spoke of in that river, which is Iridanus. Like I keep saying, Orion is the manifestation of 1111. So, Sarah Starchild is now seeing all these figure eights and hourglasses in both these dreams, not only seeing them, but she's equating them with the infinity symbol and hourglasses. And she even sees the arc in one of these dreams where it is the figure eight. And in both dreams, she is seeing these circles, these white circles, kind of hovering over wherever she's seeing them, be it the figure eight or be it over an actual hourglass. And I think this has extreme significance, which I will guesstimate on here in a little bit. So I dialed this space tunnel up in Stellarium and I believe that the space tunnel she talked about was that Sagittarius to Carina constellation cloud star cluster that I've been talking about, and I'll throw up some other pictures of it, and that that tunnel or that cloud cluster runs from the monkey head nebula, which is right on the head of the little dog, as well as that red or crimson butterfly, all in the area of Orion, and exactly where the full moon of January 6th was, and then runs down to the ship Argo, all the way down its keel, and then shoots all the way over to Sagittarius. I'll mention again, if you see this in the heavens or see it on Stellarium, you're looking at the Milky Way, one of the arms of the Milky Way. You're just looking at a concentrated section of one of the spirals. And I'm saying that's the space tunnel she saw. Knowing that we had a full moon on January 6th and 7th. And this is right over that little dog. It's right over the right hand of Orion, which we've talked about. That last full moon phase that Olive Branch saw with the image of the owl in, that ended on the 6th of January. We've got all that drama and typology that Magnolia Blossom saw with her three tents that dialed in Perseus and Andromeda. Well, that's all on the full moon. And if you go straight down from the ecliptic, you find yourself on all these players I just mentioned, starting from that little Canis Minor Mutt dog and tunneling its way all the way over to Sagittarius. That is that space tunnel. That is that wooden fence that people saw in their dreams. I'm saying that is the space tunnel she sees because when the moon gets to Sagittarius, it's going to be fully waned, a fully dead moon, a dark orb, so to speak. So you start with a bright full orb at the full moon, starting from that little Canis Minor dog, and you go two weeks into the timeline and end up at Sagittarius with a dark orb, or a dark, dead, fully waned moon. This is a perfect representation of what she saw, and we're seeing it through the eyes of Stellarium. I can't think of any better representation than what I just described to you. 
and it suggests that this entire two-week timeline is what God is trying to show us. It's a further revealing of something specific and something of importance on this Maseroth black and blue butterfly dance or parade or whatever you want to call it. Now, this is why I requested you go and actually look at her posting, at her videos, because I can't take all the time to repost what people have posted. Go look at it. She talks about this space tunnel. She talks about these circles of light forming over a figure eight. She talks about all these things. I'm making reference to them, and if you don't go watch these videos, you're probably going to have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, I got to keep going forward. I'll be making reference to all these segments of her storylines, and I'm trying to stitch together about a half a dozen dreams that are all connecting. Sorry about that, but you're going to have to go look at these videos that she posted, and then you'll know what I'm talking about when I use the word space tunnel, or a wooden fence, or when I talk about the Milky Way. And at point A, at Orion, you have a full moon, and at point B, at the end of the tunnel, you have a fully waned moon. Kind of looks like the picture she drew. Full moon to a fully waned dark moon with a space tunnel in between them. You can't make this stuff up. And in almost every case, when these people send these dreams in, they'll tell me, I have no idea what this is. Can you find it for me? And most of the time, I have found these real strange nebulas and galaxies. Monkey head nebula, tarantula nebula, lagoon nebula, like that one sister posted what the Lord told her, the ballroom is in Stellarium. In other words, that's where the dance is. He's using Stellarium as the standard, and it's bringing forth and manifesting his Maserath. So that January 19th, or 911, where the moon will be on that day between Scorpius, Sagittarius, the Lagoon or Hourglass Nebula, the Tree of Life Nebula, the Hand of God Nebula, the Star Queen Nebula, which is the Tree of Life, also called the Omega and Swan Nebula, and also called the Pillars of Creation Nebula, all which we originally found on December 23rd, as you can see with the picture here. Well, I'm guessing that is one serious stepping stone. And I've got about a half a dozen other dreams that tie into this. I just don't have the time to put it all together and... Suffice it to say, we got a lot of information here. That is what the finger of God is pointing at. That is what the eye of God is looking at. So the next couple of important dates would be the 12th of January and the 19th of January. And again, Magnolia Blossom and Sarah Starchild, I ask you to post those dreams that you gave me. Post them in the comment section so people can go down and look them up. I'm not going to be putting them up on the screen too much more. Because if you people are really interested in this, you need to dig this out for yourself. You need to own this on some level. And the only way you will own this for your personal edification and for a stronger foundation with the Lord is you got to put some time into this. you got to go read these posts that are in the comment section. People are seeing the numbers 1111, 111, 919, 909, 717. They are seeing the butterflies, mostly black and blue butterflies. They're seeing owls, and a lot of them are having similar dreams. And again, I'll remind you, please don't stop on my YouTube channel and try to post a link to some work that somebody did, some other person's YouTube, your manifesto, or whatever. I'm going to delete those things as fast as they show up. 
because the emphasis of this ministry and this YouTube channel and these videos is to reveal and expose God's true calendar to Moses, a very simple one, the one that the majority of the people back in that day used, and which God applied to the harvest and only the harvest. There's nothing in it with the Babylonian methodology of using the spring equinox. And people are putting posts, hey, we go look at this. Well, chances are I have already seen it, or I know a person who has produced it, and they're into weird calendars. I am not going to allow that in my kitchen with the things that God has been cooking up for your nourishment, which is his correct calendar and his correct calendar dates for his appointed times, covenant dates, and convocations, as well as the reestablishing of his Maseroth, which is basically his Rolex in the heavens. Why should I go look at someone else's perverted and corrupted calendar? It's not going to give you what you're looking for. And I'm not going to allow people to come on to my site and put this here to distract people away from what God's doing. I don't care how sincere these other YouTube authors or watchmen on the wall or prophets or, or whatever you want to call them. I don't care how sincere they sound because sincerity is not the issue here. It's accuracy. And I demonstrated through my other videos the correct calendar. And in those other videos, I demonstrated how theirs were incorrect. And I know, just because I know, that when Jesus comes back, he's going to use the correct calendar. Because one of his main job descriptions in his ministry and in his life is to confirm the covenants of Moses and of Abraham and of Noah with many. That is his ministry. And he's not going to use the wrong calendar to do that. And the Lord keeps anointing me to really push this because he's pushing it. This is one of his, if not the most important thing he's pushing through this ministry. So if you have a manifesto or if you have some study or if you have something you want to bring to the body of Christ, make up your own YouTube channel. But if you're coming here, I hope you would engage yourself in learning God's calendar and his appointed times. And then we can apply it to the Maseroth, and from that we can see the signs in the heavens being fulfilled in the heavens through the eyes of Stellarium, producing these stepping stones, and sooner or later we're going to get to that last stepping stone. And this one coming up on January 19th is based on a dozen Fibonacci curve applications and a half a dozen red swords. And that's what I have to work with, and that's what God's been putting me through. And you're welcome to join me on this march. And this is not Bible summer camp. This is a marine boot camp in the spirit. This is bud school for God's spiritual Navy SEALs. It may not be for you, and that's fine. But that's the menu that's being dialed up in this arena on this YouTube channel. Think it not strange that I've been talking in the last three or four videos about Gideon's 300. I'm getting dreams coming in where people are seeing the number 300. And what that represents is God's assassins, so to speak, Gideon's 300. Whatever that number is in these last days, it could be the 144,000 for that matter. But the theme is Gideon's army. And they had a different attitude and a different look on things than the rest of the body of Israel. 
And that body of Israel started with 32,000 people. Go read the story of Gideon in Gideon's 300. What set the 300 apart from the 32,000 was how they looked at things and how they were ready. They had their head on a swivel. They were focused. They were determined. They were ready at every moment. And God brought the victory through the 300, not the 32,000. And iHeart, if you're listening, I could use your help on this one because it has to do with the Revelation 12 sign. And I'm very familiar with the Revelation 12 sign. Spent many, many, many hours working on that starting in 2014 and posting a lot of YouTubes of that as that drama unfolded and developed. Well, I'm getting a lot of dreams about January 12th. And January 12th dials in with the Hebrew calendar to a number God has been giving me and a lot of other people for a long time now, and that is 919. Ninth Hebrew month, 19th day. That is January 11th into the 12th on our Greco-Roman calendar. And Sarah's star child saw in one of her dreams this woman holding a very young infant And the infant spoke as a man and started pointing out all these stars and signs and wonders in the heavens, which I plotted out to be a couple of the red giants, one in the Swan constellation Cygnus and the other in Draco. I mean, they plotted perfectly. Unfortunately, it took me about three or four attempts before I got it somewhat more perfected. And I'm still not sure if what we finally came up with is what was seen in the dream. Yeah, it's a work in progress. But your help on this might get us farther to a more perfected solution. And there are some suggestions in the narrative of this dream that point to possible explosions in the heavens. That's why I'm bringing it up. Because if this is pertaining to the timeline we're currently in, well, this is some of the things we've been waiting for. And this is the dream where Sarah saw the smiling man with three stars by its mouth And off to the right was the Milky Way. Well, we identified those three stars as the three main stars of Aquarius, the Smiling Man constellation. And we just discovered that this Sagittarius to Canis Minor star cluster cloud is the arm of the Milky Way. And that's right up to the right of Aquarius's head, just like she saw it in the dream. She saw to the right of Aquarius, to the right of his head, the smiling constellation. She saw the Milky Way. Like I said, (laughs) you can't make this up. And I feel like I'm sounding a little heady at this point, and I apologize. However, I hope you'll see the method to my madness here shortly. Because the revealing of the Milky Way as a player in God's Maseroth is huge. I mean, these are some of the deep, dark secrets that all these occult mystics have been playing with for many millennia, thinking that if they can figure this stuff out, they are going to be God, which was the adversary's lie in the garden to begin with, that using his technique, Adam and Eve would be made into the image and likeness of God much faster, only according to his Antichrist patterns. Well, that didn't work very well. And God is still trying to make us into his image and likeness, which we see fully completed in Yahshua HaMashiach, in Jesus our Bridegroom. And I think these mystics and occultic astrologers knew where the center of the Milky Way was on the ecliptic of the sun, moon, and planets. And in Mithraism, the five main planets that are visible with the naked eye and the sun and the moon were called gateways. 
and they were seen as a door or a gateway to astral immortality, which was their heaven, which was the center of the Milky Way. And much of this is covered in that Revealing Antichrist series that I did, Exposing Mithraism. And Mithraism is the foundation of Roman Catholicism. And Roman Catholicism is the foundation of all the Protestant churches. There's so many counterfeits involved in all that religion and all that tradition that it permeates all of Orthodox Christianity and it permeates the Hebrew religious community because that's where many of those mystics came from. And much of Islam is a plagiarism of both Christianity and Hebrewism. And Mithraism was the largest religion at the time of Christ, both a couple hundred years before and a couple hundred years after, and was morphed into Roman Catholicism in the church councils, starting with Constantine the Great, who was a high Mithraic priest, and all his bishops and cardinals were high Mithraic priests. And what did they present us? Seven doorways, seven gates of God, seven sacraments, none of which get you the grace of God, because the only thing that brings us the grace of God is the shed blood of Christ. Narrow is the way, and there is only one way. There is not a broad way, but one, and few are those who find it. So yes, this stuff sounds kind of heady, but I believe God's trying to expose this to show the counterfeit. And as I'm watching this unfold, and I'm thinking this through, I thought, I've seen this before in another dream that someone sent me. And that storyline is presenting a timeline that matches. This was the dream that Crystal Blayton saw on the 30th of October, 2022. And in that dream, she first saw two moons, one doing this accordion-type thingy, and to the right of that, a full moon. And she is getting all excited in the dream and telling everybody the rapture's coming. And then... She saw this thing burst out into the heavens to the right of the two moons, a pinkish color is what she put it as, and this formulated into what I called in an earlier video of Fibonacci cloud. So what I'm seeing is a flood moon phase, followed by a full moon phase, followed by this thing busting out into the heavens that looks like, oh, I don't know, the Milky Way galaxy? And maybe that pink color is a connection to the pink color that Olive Branch saw floating across the heavens in her dream. So one of the pinkish thingies is involved in a flashbang boom. That's Olive Branch. And the other pinkish thingy looks like the Milky Way. And Crystal's dates appear to be the blood moon of that first moon collapsing in out of itself. That's a blood moon. That's the November blood moon of 2022. And then the next full moon phase, represented by that full moon to the right of it, that's the December full moon phase. And that ends on January 6th. And then she saw this pinkish thingy that looked like a galaxy, which I think is the Milky Way. Whereas I just discussed Olive Branch's three moons that she saw, and that ends on January 6th. And then she sees... That pink cloud with its exploding flashy thing behind it at that tree. So I don't know about you, but I'm seeing the connection of both dates and uh, similar players that are all saying the same thing. Hey, all this stuff is real and appears to be a main foundation, that being the center of the Milky Way, for all these mystics and occult astrologers and antichrist elites who are deep into Mithraism and deep into the Antichrist system that promise them that they will be made into the image and likeness of God, which it doesn't. 
There is only one plan that works, and that is the plan from the beginning that Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah, God Almighty, our Creator, our Father, it's His plan, and it's done through the shed blood sacrifice that all pointed to the greater Adam, the Adam that did not compromise, the second Adam, and that's Yahshua, Jesus our Christ. Yeah, this sounds heady, but guys, can you see the counterfeit? Better yet, can you see the true? And I believe this is one of the last things God is exposing or revealing in his Maserath is the center of the Milky Way because it has so entrapped the world into the false salvation. But they understand that language. And the message that God is sending to the body of Christ through Team Jesus is not only meant for the body of Christ, it's meant for the whole world because God is trying to save the whole world through Christ. And part of that plan is to show you the counterfeit so you are better able to discern the true. And I think this is one of the main reasons we have gone into 2023 and gone past God actually walking us through all his appointed times, which I sensed for a long time that is what he was going to do. But not only was he going to restore his appointed times, appointed covenant dates, appointed convocations, he was also going to restore his Maserath. It says so in the book of Job. Job 38.31 Hey Job, can you loose the bands of Orion or bring forth the Maserath in its season? Which means God's going to bring it forth. And I think this is where you come in, I heart. I think that began back on 23rd September of 2017. Because we're looking at Virgo and Leo and the wandering stars and the sun and the moon. That's all Maserath stuff. And that's when it began. And I think that's where God has you dialed in and is anointing you in that area. And others of you out there who are listening, there's something about that 23rd September 2017 star and planet alignment that we haven't gotten to yet. Personally, I think that is when the seals were begun to be opened. No big deal. It is what it is as far as if the seals are open or not. But I think it has a lot to do with the revealing in its season of the Maserath and now is the season. And when is that completed? That's the issue because I think that is why we went into 2023 because I think it's completed on January 19th where we see Stellarium providing a collection of stars, planets, nebulas, galaxies that all converge on the center of the Milky Way. And just a few months later, it appears that that same moon, in its same degree of illumination, which is coming to a full, dark, waned, dead moon, finds itself on the knee of Aquarius, right next to the sun, which I think is no longer parading into Pisces, but it is in Aquarius, which would mean we are now into the age of Aquarius which is a bunch of mumbo-jumbo New Age garbage, but that is what the world has fed on for the last many millennia, which means this January 19th is the end of the last Mithraic age, and we're starting into a new age. I'm just throwing that out because there's a lot of typology there, and this is where the majority of the religious people in the world, this is where they live at. This is how they think. This is how they move. This is what motivates this is what they eat, drink, and breathe. And I think God is saying, no, nah, we're doing it my way, and I'm taking back the Zodiac. I'm taking back the Maseroth. That is mine. 
That is my Rolex watch. That is my Alpha and Omega, which is Christ, which is right at that spot over the center of the Milky Way. The Omega Nebula, also called the Tree of Life Nebula, also called the Eagle Nebula. It's either the same nebula or it's a couple nebulas right on top of each other. Right at that location, right at the head of Sagittarius or the head of his arrow, right where that waning, dying, dead moon happens on January 19th. Right on that hourglass nebula, right on that hourglass region, right on a couple of blue butterflies. And I cannot help but think that this is the gateway of God at this location. Not that other one, the golden gate of God back on the snout of Taurus, but this is the gateway of God. Because in Mithraism, they call it the gateway of God. However, it's Babylon. The word Babylon means gateway of God. So everybody's throwing around this term, we will meet in the middle. I've got about five applications of that right now. Like uh, maybe in the middle of that figure eight or that infinity symbol. Maybe in the middle of the hourglass. Maybe in the middle of God's plan that's going to destroy the enemy's plan. Maybe in the middle of the Milky Way. Which all these dreams and all these Fibonacci patterns that we have plotted, all 12 of them, they're all converging on that point in the heavens. Yeah, I know. Heady stuff. But these are the data dumps I'm getting, and i got to figure out. I wake up early in the morning, every morning, I'm down this deep rabbit hole, hoping it's not the rabbit hole from Alice in Wonderland, but these things always play out true. And it's revealing God's plan, the plan that started back in the garden. God created man into his image, but the likeness had to come through a making process. And God turned to his angels and prophetically to his second Adam and said, Let us make man into our image and likeness. That wasn't completed until the cross when Jesus said, It is finished. And Jesus, the second Adam, was the first. That's why he's called the first fruits. First fruits of what? First fruits of that that represented mankind, the barley wheat. He's the barley wheat. We are the barley wheat, but he's not a man, rather he's the man, and the only man that was begotten of God. And he fulfilled all the appointed times, the covenant dates, the convocations, and now he's fulfilling the Maserath. He is the embodiment of all of that. He is the Alpha and Omega, God's Rolex watch. So let me pull this back real quick, because I'm trying to focus on that Revelation 12, woman in the heavens, that I'm seeing repeating over and over again. There's something there. Somebody dig this out. I need help. Somebody dig it out. There's something there God wants us to see. I apologize for being long-winded, but this is some heavy stuff, and you're going to see that it's about to lead to even some more powerful stuff. And just for a tidbit of confirmation... Here's another part of a dream from Sarah, star child. This is a dream she just dropped in my lap a couple days ago that she had in the summer of 2021 where she's seeing arches and multiple doors stacked in an arch shape and she's quite concerned because she thought it could have been something more on the dark side of things. Well, I quickly looked into it and there's this thing called the arches cluster, pretty much just a uh, hair's breadth away from the lagoon nebula, the hourglass region. In fact, I think it is in the hourglass region and it's a huge collection of nebulas and stars, apparently in the form of an arch. 
And what I find more significant is that astronomers and scientists say this thing is basically in the center of the Milky Way. And it's right off the tip of the arrow of Sagittarius. So Sagittarius is pointing to the center of the Milky Way. And it may behoove us to take a close look at these pictures that Sarah gave us representing what God gave her in her dream. I mean, it was the seven doors that tipped me off to Mithraism, as well as the arch. The arch is a huge item in Mithraism. It represents the Babylonian rock arch or sacred cave that the original Mithraics would worship in. And that number seven was the the big tip-off. I believe the sword could very well represent the Fibonacci swords we've been drawing that isolate and identify specific points on God's Rolex watch. And in this case, January 19th is a very big date, as I've been saying. And then she has that geometric figure right in the middle, right on top. That's called a Metatron, and it is a Fibonacci pattern. But it's more than that. This is one of the main patterns that these elite occultists obsess on. And in this particular Metatron geometric figure, it represents 666. You have six circles within six circles, producing six triangles. And the Metatron is perfect in its design. Who do we know that is perfect in his design, in his image and likeness that he came into? It's the perversion of that number that the Antichrist will be famous for in Revelation chapter 13. And these elite occultists, Luciferians, Satanists, whatever you want to call them, they obsess on this stuff. And they think that by knowing these secrets, they become like God. Well, that doesn't work. But these elitists also call it the tree of life or the fruit of life. And we have a tree of life nebula right in this nebula area, this hourglass region that I've been talking about. So I'm bringing this up because I think God is showing us their plan, the plan from the enemy's camp. And that is that they are pursuing the counterfeit plan, which is going to copy all the patterns and the purity of God's patterns. That's what the adversary does. He doesn't have a creative bone in his body. He's got to steal everything, like the Zodiac, like religion, like a Christ, giving them an Antichrist. And they're going to steal the tree of life if they can, and that's what they've been doing. And that is also brought up in Mithraism. But I think God is showing his plan to bring us into that perfection, which is in Christ, Christ being the perfect man. Not a perfect man, but the perfect man. And in a twinkling of an eye, we are changed into that perfection that we find in Christ. The adversaries camp think they're going to get it through all their secret squirrel doctrines and secret illuminations that come from the basilisk, from the serpent. And I think God chose those images to give in that dream to emphasize his plan. That is, Yahweh is revealing Yahweh's plan, which is Christ, the perfect man. And you see the adversary's plan, which is a near identical plan, but it's counterfeit. And let me show you that numbers in and of themselves are not evil, but they are when they are used in an evil agenda. Your Metatron can be seen in the snowflake. It is one of God's figures. Just as the Fibonacci curve is found all throughout God's creation, especially in the Nautilus. Is the Nautilus from the pits of hell? Is the snowflake an invention of the adversary? No. All these things and all these patterns belong to God. 
But in Revelations 13, 666 is the number of man. And here, man is being portrayed as God. In and of itself, 666 is neutral. And there's nothing wrong with that being the number of man, because man was created on the sixth day. And God said, that was a good thing. But in Revelation 13, that is a bad thing, because how that number is employed. So let's not get too superstitious and too jacked up by the number 666 now that we know that's God's number, that's God's perfection, and it's something that the adversary has stolen. That being said, I just have to wonder out loud if the physical manifestation of the pattern of the mark of the beast will include an image or a tattoo of the Metatron or some derivation thereof that has a cool-looking geometric figure that people will not hesitate tattooing on the forehead or on the right hand. And for all you Team Jesus electronic and science and engineering geeks out there, help me out here. If I'm not mistaken, the computer chips are based on a base 6 counting pattern as opposed to a base 10 pattern that we learned in grade school and count by in everything we do. I think the electronics and the computers is a base 6, and there's three sets of them, 666. So electronically speaking, the chip itself is 666. The image that I'm totally guessing, totally guessing now, the image, if there's going to be a visible image on the skin, on the right hand or the forehead, has to do something with 666, the perfect image that they are stealing and perverting. If that's the case, I think the best candidate would be this Metatron image, and it could be God's trying to tell us this in the image that he gave in these dreams. But it's going to be a perverted Metatron, and let me show you a perverted Metatron. It's a warped infinity symbol with the word Meta, short for Metatron. And these images are showing up in all these huge corporate businesses that are basically ruling the world. These are the Nephilim, I believe anyway, that some dreamers have dreamed in their dreams. Huge, unstoppable hi hybrids, if you dare call them that. Possibly the merchants of the world spoken of in Revelation chapter 18, where their Babylonian world is destroyed in one hour. So if what I've just brought is from the Lord and is the meaning of these images, then we're seeing the two plans, the plan of God and the plan from the enemy's camp, and it all lines up with what the Lord has been bringing us as he unravels and reveals his Maseroth. And his Maseroth is based on his appointed times, his appointed covenants, his appointed convocations. One huge and complete package from the Lord. So if anybody has any knowledge on this as far as the pattern of the Mark of the Beast, let me know if this has come up in your investigations. Because I really think there is a reason God gave this in that dream. And that perfected 666 is God's number. It's not the enemy's number. They're just taking it and perverting it and giving you a warped infinity sign and trying to sell you a warped and perverted plan of salvation and a perverted making process, a process that is supposed to bring us into the manifestation of the sons of God that the Apostle Paul talks about. There is only one tree of life I know of, and that's Christ Jesus. That image just points to him, that perfected geometric figure. But if you worship that figure, then it only becomes a graven image. Enough said on that, though a lot more could be said.
And now we have that space tunnel, and we have that long wooden fence, and a half dozen dreams that are strongly suggesting that this is the waterway, so to speak, the waterway that Argo is going to use. I'll say it again, you can't make this stuff up, and yet it keeps coming up. It's just that it's displayed or painted on Stellarium, as it were, with different themes. And they all seem to be converging at this date, January 19th. Now, the thing with the woman holding the infant, well, the moon on the 12th of January, 11th into the 12th, is going to be in the exact same location. I mean, perfectly placed in the same location where the sun was on the 23rd of September 2017 and the one born on the 23rd of September 2017 was Jupiter the man-child. I mean back then Jupiter was the man-child and I'm thinking that the moon who is the bride in all this parade of the blue butterfly through the Maserath of God down the timeline of the ecliptic the moon is the bride, and from within the bride comes the man-child. Or, as it were, a typology of Jupiter, who was the man-child back in 2017. I mean, check out the two locations. Get on Stellarium, check them out. The 2017 placement of the sun. The sun was parked right between Virgo's left shoulder and her hair locks. And that's where the moon will be exactly in the same place on January 11th into the 12th, which corresponds to the Hebrew 919, the ninth month, 19th day of the Hebrew month. Just thought you'd find that interesting and curious how your spirit picks up on that. Because one of the things I'm trying to do is validate people's dreams and people's ministries and show the world, show the church, that God is indeed pouring out his spirit on people in a multitude of ways, in a multitude of offices. The dreamers, interpreters, teachers, evangelists, and nothing better does that than what we've been seeing these last many months as God's been revealing his appointed times and dates and covenants and his Maserath through all these avenues that he's been working with, the dreams, the visions, the decoding of the same, the decoding of Virgo and the man-child in 2017, and now we got something similar happening on January 12th. And do you remember about 10-15 minutes back in this video, here she saw this blue shark in the back of a garage, and it was kind of pointing to our right. She was on the left-hand side at its tail, and she said this thing turned into a whale. Well, January 12th through the 19th, Jupiter, the man-child, is in Cetus, the whale. So I think in that typology, themology scene, she stands for the bride, Jupiter, which is Jesus, is the bridegroom, and she's seeing a combination of this shark and whale. I mean, I am just blown away by the multitude of colors and types and characters and themes and typology that God is putting into these multiple dreams as he's telling his story of his son and his bride-to-be. That's how I see it. What a treasure hunt. So, Sister iHeart, I know this is your specialty, and if anybody else wants to take on this, go for it, please. I think it's cool. And the more Berean brainstorming we can do with more members of Team Jesus, the better. Let's get on it, family. So you're going to want to strap in for this part. This is that biggie I talked about, because this would be a serious game changer if it is what I think it is. 
And it all began when Sarah Starchild sent me this picture asking me, well, what is this? Well, that is a gyroscope, and it is used in navigation equipment, like a gyro repeater, as they call them, which gives you a stabilized compass. And that's the first thing that struck me about it, because it had to do with the arc or the ship she was on, so it carried with it a theme of navigation. But I got kind of a quick check in my gut, and then I thought, oh, could this be? And through my many years of scriptural study, I would often land on the book of Ezekiel and, of course, Revelation. And both of those books talks about a wheel within a wheel within a wheel, or Ezekiel's wheel. I mean, that's the first thing that's brought up in the book of Ezekiel, are the four living creatures that carry that sheet of sapphire that the throne of God sits on. The four living creatures, or beasts, in Ezekiel, each one of them has four faces, Whereas in the book of Revelation, the living creatures only have one face, but they're all the same four faces. That would be a face of a man, a face of a lion, a face of a ox or calf, or better rendering would be a bull, and a face of an eagle. Wow, where have we seen those before? And they all have four wings. Hmm, four wings. What animal or constellation or, or whatever in Stellarium has four wings. And I really had to kick myself like, duh, how about the butterfly? We know that there is no mammal or bird or anything else on the face of the planet that has four wings that we can find in Stellarium other than the butterfly. Four wings. And the four beasts spoken of and those two books of the Bible are for the main players we've been dancing with this entire time. The man is Aquarius. The oxen or calf, well, that's Taurus. The lion is Leo. And the eagle, which is both the eagle constellation Aquila and the eagle nebula, which is also called the Tree of Life nebula, the Omega nebula, and also called the Pillars of Creation. You mean to tell me we're looking at Ezekiel's wheel? People have been trying to figure this out ever since Ezekiel. And if I dare say, if we start at Aquarius, which we have a couple times now, I mean, that was the mikvah of the bride, and we run from Aquarius down the timeline, down the Maserath of God, down that ecliptic, the parade of the black and blue butterfly, the moon, as we follow the moon, we will go through those constellations, and the last one that we're looking at right now January 19th, the moon parks itself right at the tail feathers of Aquila, the eagle constellation. And that entire time, the moon locations of this all seem to correspond to Polaris, the throne of God. As if these constellations, all four of them, was carrying the throne of God and bringing it to that last beast, which is Aquila, the eagle constellation. And Sarah Starchild is seeing this gyroscope at that location. And she's telling me in texts and emails that she's seeing the hourglass inside this gyroscope. And both are spinning. And I think she even says she was inside the hourglass. And even when she spoke about her figure eight, her figure eight was spinning. And that's what gyroscopes do. They spin. I mean, you can go and Google Ezekiel's wheel and it will show you 
a gyroscope in all the images. That is how it's been described by theologians for hundreds of years, for thousands of years. And this thing pops up in her dream right on the hourglass nebula, which is the lagoon nebula. And she's kind of confused, like, what's this doing here? What is this? And I start connecting the dots with those four constellations and the four wings, and I can't think of anything else that would represent. And if it does represent that, that means that that scripture, both in Ezekiel and Revelations, that's happening now. And it comes to a fruition on January 19th, 9-1-1. Well, at least that's what the dreams are suggesting. Whether or not we'll see that, that's up to the Spirit of the Lord. I'm just saying, when she saw this item, that item lines up with this date. When other dreams bring me characters of a storyline and they fall on that date, well, they fall on that date. I'm just saying that they fall on that date. I can't tell you how that will manifest in our reality if it even does. Sorry, but that's how this game is played. All I can do is tell you what Stellarium is telling us. And oh, by the way, Genesis 9-1-1 is the covenant of Noah. Revelation 9-1-1 is the God of this world being lifted up by the inhabitants of this world. He becomes completely their God at that time. Who? Apollyon, who is Abaddon, who is Apophis, the serpent snake God. Go look it up. Revelations 9-1-1. So could it very well be that on January 19th, 9-1-1, the bride who is in God is going to have her Noah moment, her covenant with God fulfilled. Could speak of, as in the days of Noah, that all this Noah stuff people are talking about is when that thing is poured out. Because in her dream, Sarah Starchild saw all these circles coming together, forming a, a lotus, and from the lotus came many waters. And in that dream, or concerning that dream, she said something very peculiar. She said the lotus had no color. Well, I kind of found that in the book of Ezekiel, speaking about Ezekiel's wheel. And it had to do with the wheels. Ezekiel 1.16 says, The appearance of the wheels and their works was like unto the color of beryl. And when I googled that word, beryl, B-E-R-Y-L, I got a couple of explanations one says, pure beryl is colorless, but it will take on kind of the tinge or the tint of its impurities. The other one says that the name beryl comes from beryllus, which is like a blue-green color of sea water. And that's kind of what she was seeing coming out of the lotus because it formed ocean water. And strange enough, it says that beryl is a star sign for Scorpius and a talismanic for Sagittarius. And guess where she's seeing this gyroscope? Right between Scorpius and Sagittarius. Now, apply the laws of coincidence. And in addition, in Ezekiel 1 verse 24, it talks about the noise of great waters. And we've been having plenty of people talking about great waters. It appears that this space tunnel, or this great long fence, that being the spiral arm of the Milky Way, pointing directly to the center of the Milky Way, right at the tip of the arrow of Sagittarius, well, that too is likened onto great waters that will carry the barge, or the ark, or the ship Argo to its final location.
And dare I even ask the question, what is the biggest gyroscope in our galaxy? And the answer is the galaxy. Each galaxy is a gyroscope onto itself, and it consists of many star clusters, star systems, solar systems, which they too are all gyroscopes. That is what an orbit is. An orbit is forces caused by a gyroscope. So the center of God's Maserath, or should I say the beginning and end of God's Maserath, is where the greatest gyroscope is located. And the center of that gyroscope, the Milky Way, is between Sagittarius and Scorpius, right where we've been looking at it all this video. And what is Ezekiel's wheel? A gyroscope. God's gyroscope held up by the constellations that rest on the bands of Orion that is the pathway or the parade or the dance of the black and blue butterfly. That living creature, if I can call it that, which is providing, as it were, the four wings to these living beasts, to these four constellations. So think it not strange that dreamers are coming in with hourglass butterfly nebulas and hourglass nebulas and hourglass regions and dreams of gyroscopes, which haven't been showing up until just now. There is so much typology here, I don't know what to do with it. I mean, a person is really rolling the dice on this one. If they're going to firmly stand on, something's going to happen on that day, because this is Ezekiel's wheel when you look at all those parameters. The gyroscope, the four beasts or constellations that I mentioned, the four wings. Well, here's something that always had my attention concerning Ezekiel's wheels, and that was the many eyes that were on the wheels. Well, family, what do you think we've been looking at for the last few months? What I need you to do is go to Google Image and dial up Nebula Eyes, and then dial up Galaxy Eyes. These are some of the pictures you'll see, but many, many more pictures. The nebulas, the galaxies, well, most of them look like eyeballs. And haven't we discovered the eye of God? I mean, secular artists are claiming by what they're putting on Google Image that the galaxies and the nebulas look like eyes. And where are we finding these eyes in the heavens showing up? They're showing up on wheels. The Fibonacci wheels. I mean, the Fibonacci golden ratio pattern thingy is plotting right over the top of these cosmic eyes. So what you're seeing is Ezekiel's wheels covered with eyes. And also in the book of Revelation chapter 4, referring to these wheels and to these beasts, it says in chapter 4 verse 8, And the four beasts, and let's say for argument's sake, those are the four constellations I've been just talking about, and the wings of these beasts, now there's six in the book of Revelation, and I think I know what that means. It'll take too long to explain, so we'll just keep moving. It says that they are full of eyes, and they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Well, do you know what's going on in the heavens as we see through the eyes of Stellarium? It's the stars, the constellations, the galaxies, and the nebulas all praising God without ceasing, 24-7. 24-7. And doesn't it say somewhere in Scripture that the heavens declare the glory of God? Well, they're doing it without ceasing, 24-7. In Ezekiel 1.18, that's where it talks about the rings of the wheels being full of eyes. 
And in verse 28, it talks about the rainbow. That's 9-1-1, Genesis 9-1-1, which is God's covenant to Noah, which is the rainbow. So I'm seeing Ezekiel's wheel in Ezekiel chapter 1, and Ezekiel's wheel in Revelation chapter 4, I'm seeing it in God's Maseroth. I am seeing it now in the dance of the butterfly. And if that is the case, then game over. Or should I say, the game is just starting on 9-1-1, which we are seeing as January 19th, 1-1-9. And it wasn't until just a few hours after the data dump, as I believe I received from the Lord, and I started figuring this stuff out, and seeing Ezekiel's wheel in the dance of the black and blue butterfly, the Maserath of God, Stellarium, whatever you want to call it, I get a posting on my last video in the comment section from David Bat 6723 where he's talking about a dream he had. And in the dream, a wagon was drawn by horses, and these horses are Clydesdales. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, they always come in weird, and those are the best ones. So I dug into it real quick. And he said that the message is that this wagon cannot be pulled by just one of these Clydesdales. It'll take at least two, maybe four. Oh, what does that mean? I don't know. Then he saw the numbers one, two, and four in red. And the wagon was long, it had four wheels, and it was made out of old, unpainted timber. My thoughts immediately went to the ship Argo, because that is how many dreamers explained it in their dreams. Old timbers, non-painted. And then he said something about something having nothing to do with the four horses. I'm assuming that's the numbers one, two, and four. Well, dear Watson, the game was afoot. I had to figure out what this was. Let's see. Long wagon. Four wheels. Four beasts. And if you've ever seen a Clydesdale up close and personal, they are beasts. And it was these four beasts that were doing all the work carrying this ark, I'm sorry, carrying this wagon made out of old, unpainted timber. And what's with red numbers? And being that I only know of one thing, well, actually two things, well, actually now three things, that are painted in red in my work with Stellarium, I'm guessing that's the red of these three numbers, one, two, and four. Now, I just updated to the new Stellarium, and all the orbital lines of the sun, moon, and planets is now painted red before it was white. So that really doesn't count. But the other two reds are the colors I use for the Fibonacci countdown pattern, and those straight lines, or I call them swords, well, those both are the color of red. And in two of the Fibonacci's, they plot through the star Polaris. Just two of the Fibonacci's. And in four of the main Fibonacci's, which I plotted, well, four of them go through one of the four constellations of Ezekiel's wheel. That being Aquarius, Taurus, Leo, and right next to Aquila, the eagle constellation, but it's actually going through the eagle nebula, which is next to the eagle constellation. So that is represented quite well as far as the eagle. And I believe that one is standing for the one sword that I drew, which started from the dark shark nebula going through Polaris, straight down through the Owl Nebula, and then Leo, and then the moon, 
and then down through Argo to the Magellanic Galaxy Cloud, where we find the Tarantula, and of all things, the Gnome Nebula. So these are all related to the throne of God. The number one, with that one line going through Polaris. The number two, where I have two Fibonacci curves also going through Polaris. And then the number four, which identifies the four creatures or the four beasts of Ezekiel wheels, and they carry the throne of God. So it's throne of God, throne of God, throne of God. One, two, four, in red. So again, we got all the same players involved, which can easily be dialed into Ezekiel's wheel. And this coming from a dream from some guy I don't know. <laughs> I'm just hoping he's part of Team Jesus. And this was just, like I said, just hours after being kind of pushed in this direction and figuring out what that gyroscope is all about. So I'm taking that as a very profound and powerful confirmation, not only in the elements of that dream, but in the timing in which I received it. I'm looking at Ezekiel's wheel, and that timeline started on the full moon, because the full moon of January 6th started on that space tunnel, and it ends at Sagittarius and Aquila, the eagle constellation. And I've got to say it, I've got to say it, you can't make this stuff up. Guys, if this is the prophetic fulfillment of Ezekiel's wheel, game over. And I mean the time of Jacob's trouble, as in the days of Noah, and all these things that are associated with the taking of the bride. This could be, as it were, the biggie of biggies. But I kind of stuck my neck out on a few other items, and I'm a little bit punch-dumb and extremely gun-shy when it comes to making such speculations. Like I said, I think I'm past black and blue. I'm more like black and bloody. And those gut punches have kind of been my daily bread ever since I started doing this stuff. So, I'm just going to put it out there. I know how the Lord speaks to me. And there's a very heavy impression of this narrative being what I just explained. What it means and how it will present itself in our reality, I have no clue. And I'm not even going to attempt speculation on that. That's between you and the Lord. And all I got to say is, thank God I am not a prophet, because then I'd be responsible for that information to pass on. As of now, I have an excuse to be totally wrong. And that is, I'm not a prophet. Okay? But let me just say, I'm still shaking from this. To me, this is like the biggest thing I've ever come across. If you've got something better some anointed understanding of this, and you can prove it, post it in the comment section. I am all ears, I am all eyes. So here last evening, I finished the audio for this video. This probably sounds weird because I'm making this video in chunks of time over about a three, four day period. So I'm zooming ahead to the next day where I'm speaking to you now. The problem is I made the mistake of going to sleep last night because right in the middle of the night, another data download. And strange enough, I wake up at 4.44 a.m. I sit up and I speak the word equilibrium. And I'm thinking about that word in Sarah's last video where she sees that tattoo of a buck on the right wrist of the right arm of, well, that's Orion. That's with the space tunnel, all the figure eights, all the circles, and that gyroscope. Well, I had no clue of what to do with that word. And it was kind of like the stone that the builders rejected. Well, what do I do with this? Well, I'll just go put it on the shelf and 
Kind of almost forgot about it. Not at 4.44 in the morning, however. So I googled it just to see if there's some strange rendering of it or some word that would activate thought in my brain and make sense out of what is she talking about or what is the Lord talking about using the word equilibrium. My first thought was that's the center of the figure eight. So you got equal pressure on both sides at that focal point, kind of like a teeter-totter. And that's where that figure eight is spinning or the hourglass or the infinity symbol, and that's probably part of what the Lord's trying to get across. That spinning, that gyroscope. And then I kind of thought of a screenshot of 4-44-44. And then I started to get a little nervous because I know what that number means personally to me. Back in August of this last year, when I'm trying to figure out and trying to recover the true date of Pentecost, This was the exact time the Lord woke me up to go look out my front window to see Beetlejuice parked right in the middle of that heart-shaped outline in my trees, which God had used multiple times to shine his love down on all you guys, the bride, using the moon. Well, this time, he used Beetlejuice, and I'll put up the thumbnail for that. You can go look at it. I'll put it on the uh, drop-down iCard video menu list, so you can go watch that. So I'm wondering if uh, there's something Beetlejuice involved here. And if you can remember back about a half hour in this video, I'm talking about that when I'm re-evaluating the dream that Olive Branch had, which at the tail end of her dream, she's seeing that bright explosion on the right side of that tree. And then she's seeing on her computer screen this explosion flipping back and forth with that pink mist. And Beetlejuice has been a major component in the Black and Blue Butterfly videos, as well as the decoding of the moons and tetrads and planetary alignments and all the videos I've made. And we're thinking that that is going to be a sign of the season of the Lord's return, which he talks about in Luke 17 and Matthew 24. And then the fun started, because once I got all that thinking out of the way, and here I looked up the word equilibrium, Well, it was as if somebody started pulling a softball through my chest. And I knew what that was. That's one of the medical issues I deal with. But this one was a little bit different. It's a gift I received for serving overseas in the service to my country and not having kosher foods to eat when I was over there. Let's just say it's a gift that keeps on giving. And it's been giving for a lot of years now. Has to do with liver stones. I don't want to give away too much of my medical condition because that's a private issue. But I'll give that much information so you can have in the back of your mind that there's something literally going on, something physically manifesting. And both the adversary and the Lord has taken advantage of it, which was the case in the early hours of the morning. Felt like a softball being pulled out of my chest. And all during this time, I'm seeing kind of in the imagination of my mind or that some people call it, your mind's eye, I am seeing this particular nebula that I took a screenshot a day or two earlier while I'm investigating Sarah's arches, the arch she saw in the heavens. And I'm kind of thinking, well, I'm just having a bad pizza moment. So it took about 10, 15 minutes to get through this episode, and nobody had a good time with that, especially me. And I thought, I'm not done yet with this, because I kept seeing that nebula. And this particular nebula, like I said, it's very close to, if not in, the hourglass region where that lagoon nebula is, 
which is also called the Hourglass Nebula, and this area is the center of the Milky Way. The arrow tip of Sagittarius is pointing right at these nebulas, especially this one. And oh, by the way, this thing is called the Little Gem Nebula. <laughs> and I certainly didn't feel like uh, I was a little gem, or that a gem was being put into me. This thing was being pulled out of me. And like I said, this was in my mind's eye. I could see this thing, as it were. I mean, it wasn't a vision or something like that. I was just kind of daydreaming it. But that was the only thing I was daydreaming. So I went to Google this thing because I knew I took a screenshot of this and I just wanted to look, is this what I've been daydreaming? Sure enough, that's what it looked like. And right when I had it up on the screen, I was going to take a screenshot of it. Something on my phone alarmed. So I get this alarm alert on the top area of the screen on my cell phone. And I went to swipe that alert off. So I swiped from left to right. And that Google search on the word equilibrium slid over and replaced the picture I had up there of this little gem nebula. So I went from the little gem nebula picture, swipe, to the screen layout of the Google search I did on that word equilibrium. I went, is that a confirmation? Well, I'm thinking probably is because that swipe is impossible. You can't do that. My smartphone should not have responded that way. It can't respond that way. I can't do a left to right hand thumb swipe and get my phone to go from one search to the last search. I've just tried it again about 20 times. I can't get my phone to respond that way. Weird. But something like this has happened to me before when I tried getting an 11, 11, 11 screenshot that I wanted so I could send to my nephew who gets all kinds of numbers. Or I should say he gets a couple numbers all day long. And I wanted that screenshot with one of my favorite nebulas in the background. I wanted that so I could send it to him and say, hey, neener, neener, I got a better number than you do kind of thing. And this is what came up on that particular weird smartphone burp, which I can't duplicate that one either. So let me just lay out the parameters of all these events happening, kind of avalanching on each other, piling on each other, and maybe someone can tell me what this all means. I mean, I just finished the audio, heavy on the part about the gyroscope pointing to Ezekiel's wheel, and the time parameter of that seen in a couple of dreams, especially Sarah's, was January 19th when the fully waned dead moon is going to be right over that hourglass lagoon nebula in the hourglass star cluster region right at the tip of the arrow of Sagittarius where at the time she's seeing her figure eight now standing up and having all these circles converging into the lotus. And in that location we have the Tree of Life nebula which I contend was that tree that Olive Branch saw with that bright burst explosion right behind it, a little bit to the right. And just a few hours into my sleep, I wake up at 4.44, talking about the word that God gave Sarah in her dream, the word equilibrium, and I'm getting this small gem nebula pulled out of my chest. And when I go to investigate to make sure that was the nebula that I saw in my mind's eye, my smartphone goes weird on me and does a flippity-flop and up comes the word equilibrium. Just a little after 4.44 a.m. 
the number that has always been associated in my life with Beetlejuice. I mean, multiple times. Four, forty-four, forty-four. Look, I said I am way too glove-dumb and far too gun-shy to put any predictions to that. You're all welcome to just take it at face value. I know that word equilibrium has very strong significance, or God would not have given it in the first place. And it could be referring to January 12th, because that, I believe, is the middle of that figure eight, the middle of the hourglass, when the hourglass starts spinning like a gyroscope. But it could also be pointing to January 19th, when that figure eight is standing straight up, and it's in the hourglass region of the hourglass nebula, the Lagoon Nebula, where we see the completion of Sarah's dream and a couple of Magnolia Blossom's dreams and Olive Branch's dream, hers being at the Tree of Life Nebula. So I am going to play it safe and just say, this is what happened? Believe me or don't believe me? Understanding that prophecy is better served up with 2020 hindsight. In other words, it's easier to go back once something does happen and then connect the dots, at which time we could say, hey, that was prophetic. Because in reality, trying to assign some prophetic fulfillment to that at this point will just amplify another gut punch. Whereas if something does happen, then the Lord can use it to authenticate all the stuff he's been doing for the last 12 months in my ministry. In which case, he's going to draw your focus to what he's been doing restoring his appointed times, his appointed covenant dates, his appointed convocations, and his Rolex watch in the heavens, which is his Maseroth, that he has been slowly revealing with these stepping stones in this black and blue butterfly dance we've been doing in his chosen ballroom, which is Stellarium. Now that sounds safer to me, so I'm going with that. So there you have it with the next couple of couple stepping stones. Things are lining up just like they have been before. And there are other dreams that I just, I can include, like I said, another half dozen, all pointing to these couple dates, starting with around the full moon on the 6th, and now the 12th, and now the 19th of January. I've got nothing past that. Absolutely nothing. And as I said at the beginning of bringing the stepping stone part of this video, it's lining up more strange. It's like, the dates, he's, it's like he's circling the dates, starting from the 6th, because I'm still getting dreams on the 6th or 7th or 8th of January, and a bunch for the 19th, and a couple in the middle. And I have to wonder if those circles that Sarah Starchild saw hovering over that big figure 8 and over the hourglass, if those are not dates that we were circling all along on our respective calendars along God's Mazareth as these Fibonacci countdowns were plotted one by one by one. I mean, how many times did we circle our calendar? And what's happening? All these circles are coming together and they merge into this lotus flower on the Hourglass Nebula, which is the Lagoon Nebula, and that's where lotus flowers are bred and raised in lagoons. Well, that's where all these white circles that you saw all merge together into a lotus flower right under the eagle constellation, which just might be that fourth beast of Ezekiel's wheel, looking right into the heart of the Milky Way galaxy. And that fully waned dark dead moon will be there on January 19th. That's 1-19, or in reverse, 
911. I mean, that's how the dots connect. Don't know what else to tell you. Well, we'll see what happens. But it just has a different feel to it for me, and I've been doing this for a long time. It may mean nothing. So check my numbers, check my stellarium, check everything, check the spirit. And if you really want to own this, you got to put the time and effort into it. Because I'm not going to be carrying your water all the time. I have a hard enough time carrying my own water. And I really want you all dialed into this. And the more you get into it, and the more you learn this, and there's a learning curve, the more efficient and effective that that 300 of Gideon's army, of the Lord's army, Jesus being the greater Gideon, he is the Gideon. He is the one that's going to be leading you. Well, the more we're dialed in and educated and understand this stuff, the better. So I'll leave you with that, and then I'll get into the second half of this video, because I want to share another waking impression, or call it an anointed daydream, that I had a long time ago, but it was a warning to me, kind of like uh, this last one I had in the last video, of me seeing my own face in that spirit of selfishness, and in that self-God spirit. Well, it had the same feel to it, and the same... God is in my face type of theme because he wanted to show something to me of my nature, of your nature, of the nature of man. And this all kind of boils down to the issue of honesty and the issue of what's truly in men's hearts. And this kind of goes back to one of the things God wants to take out of our headship. Thus, our heads are going to roll. It's not that God wants to destroy us or something like that. He wants to pull stuff out of our DNA, out of our attitude, out of our nature. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, because that produces gold in that crucible when that dross is being purged. But if you don't think that dross is in there, oh, are you in for a fun ride? And this anointed daydream set in motion some extremely serious and painful and joyous experiences in God. And it involved that honey-coated cross that I talked about a couple videos ago, where Jesus gave our church that I was in at the time a honey-coated cross. And we were drawn to it like the flies that we are, and we lapped up that honey until there was no more to lap up. And when it was gone, we were stuck to the cross. And I've seen God do this so many times to so many people. He'll anoint somebody. They'll get so much into the anointing. They think they are going full bore for the Lord. And then he lifts the anointing. And now their walk before the Lord is not based on how much God juices them up with his spirit, but it's based upon the very difficult decisions they have to make all the time, thinking that they're alone and abandoned by God in some cases. But God is still there. It's just that the anointing and the easy part is gone. Remember I talked about the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out with the anointing? And then they came back rejoicing, doing backflips, forward flips, cartwheels. Woo, woo, woo. Look at all we can do. Well, Jesus said, that ain't you doing anything. That's the Spirit of God. And now your faith, it will be tested because that Spirit lifted. And Jesus poked their sacred cow understanding of their religions by saying, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. It offended them. God offended them to see how they would respond to the offense, to see if they would hold fast and stand on a relationship with God, trusting that there was something more there than what they were thinking Jesus was saying. 
And the majority of them stopped walking with the Lord. They walked away from the Lord. Their sacred God got offended by God through Christ. And we don't think that's going to happen to us. So this is how this drama started, where God pulled a real fast one on me. And it was so cool. At the same time, it was so prophetic because some of the things that I experienced in the middle of that daydream, well, I've been dealing with it for many years, an actual physical manifestation. So this was many, many years ago when I was still a young buck, pretty much freshly out of college and at the church that I've mentioned earlier that I arrogantly thought was the best church on the face of the earth. I shouldn't say arrogantly. It's more like I was so naive. I hadn't learned the ropes yet of kingdom-building people, people with heavy self-cut spirits and selfishness. I thought they were the next thing to be walking on water. That'd be my church leaders and stuff like that. So I'm out at a retreat, a singles retreat, and I got out there kind of early, earlier than most, because my schedule allowed me to do that. So I got out there earlier, and I'm checking out the grounds, walking around, and there's, and there's this walkway around this small lake or large pond, and there was no one else in sight. I mean, I was checking everything out. I had, no, I had nothing but time to kill, walking around, kind of talking to the Lord, kind of wondering why I was there in the first place, <laughs> but I wanted to be there. That's cool. And I'm looking over this small lake, and I knew I was daydreaming. And I knew that because I could sense the presence of someone behind me. And I looked around. There was no one behind me. But I kind of knew this thing was playing out in my head. And I just kind of felt, hey, let's see what happens. You know, I've been through this once or twice before. And what I sensed, I sensed this man in a kabuki outfit. And I knew in my heart that the Lord was kind of doing something here, trying to show me something. I mean, I, I knew that enough to let this drama play out. And it felt like this huge, I mean, this guy had to be 15 to 20 feet tall, about 20 yards behind me, and he had the full kabuki dress on. Now, the traditional Japanese kabuki, it's kind of like our opera, and this particular kabuki was a demon. And it looked kind of like this, but it had a mask instead of having the person's face painted. The mask kind of looked like the mask you're looking at and the, the character you're looking at. And there was an interchange of questions and answers between myself and this demon, which I thought was a demon, because it presented itself as a demon character, a kabuki. And the whole thing lasted about five seconds. It seemed like it lasted about five minutes, but it lasted about five seconds. And the question was posed to me from this kabuki, what would you do if you were like Christ and you're walking around the Sea of Galilee doing your ministry like Christ? That's why I'm next to this small lake that represented like the Sea of Galilee. Okay, I'm looking over this Sea of Galilee and there's that question. What would you do if you were Christ doing this and somebody stabbed you in the back? I don't mean physically, yet I kind of do because I felt it. I felt the knife go in. And then I felt the knife twist. And then I felt the knife come out and go back in and come back out and go back in. All through my emotions, I was emotionally experiencing hurts that I had back in grade school, high school, college, being bullied, being thrown under the bus by even friends, being treated as dirt, being condemned by peers and those around me. I felt that all in a split second. And even the kabuki was stabbing me in the back. And I was kind of thinking, 
please don't ask me that question. Because I knew what the next part of the question is. Because here I am as an ambassador or a manifestation of Christ himself, having the authority of the Lord, having the power of God, and people are stabbing me in the back, which is exactly what happened to Christ. But I was feeling it, and I wanted to get this kabuki off my back, and I go into my honest, rank, honest mode. And what I'm saying by that is I'll be grossly honest with you. What I want to do is end the pain and get some payback because that's what these people deserve who are going out of their way knowing that I'm a good person but they want to stab me in the back because they enjoy it or because they just enjoy hating me or whatever the case may be. And the Kabuki actually said the words, what would you do if you had the power of Christ and you felt this and you felt the knife go in and this attitude came up in me First, I'm going to be totally honest, in your face, Mr. Kabuki, and this is what I would do. If I had been ministering the love of God and anointing upon another human being, and they turned and stabbed me in the back and twisted that knife, well, I'd turn him into a newt. I mean, no, but that's what I'd want to do. Because if I'm going to be like Christ, you can't abuse the power of God. You can't abuse your office, whatever office God has you in. You're going to have to sit there and take it. But I would love to turn him into a newt. And so would most of you. And this kabuki demon stepped back a couple steps and took off his mask. It was God the Father. And he said to me in this daydream, this is what I perceived, that's what was impressed upon me. The words he said to me were, this is why I cannot give people my authority and my power. They'll destroy people with it, as you honestly told me you would. And I knew that he knew that I knew that he knew that there was honesty going back and forth. I admitted, and I had no problem doing that, I admitted my nature as fallen man. And this is what I've seen throughout the body of Christ the many years I have walked with the Lord. People abusing their power, kingdom building, throwing people under that proverbial bus getting in the bus, backing over them, and squealing out on top of them, and then doing it again. I've watched brethren in the body of Christ destroy one another because they thought they were in a position of power and authority and position with God. And that goes right back to the head lopping. God wants that self-God spirit out of us. He's going to drag that out of our DNA, that selfishness that goes to pride, arrogance, kingdom building, power mongering, you name it. I mean, are we any different than many of the leaders back in Jesus' day that Jesus had to deal with? What were those 70 that Jesus sent out with the the authority of God? What were they looking for? What were they into? Power mongering or a relationship with the Lord? So this all transpired in a matter of seconds. And the Lord said, this is why I can't give it to you. And this is why I am going to put you and your church through things I'm about to put them through. And I knew that wasn't going to be anything pretty. I knew that what he was about to put myself and the church through was a serious beatdown. And truly, we were no better than any other church in the area or any worse. It's just that he's going to deal with the nature of man so that when he's done with us, he can actually use us. And we won't use our own strength, nor will we abuse his authority. And that is exactly what happened. Unfortunately, my church and churches in the area 
also got hit by this, and people destroyed each other. Such is the nature of man when man refuses God's making process as he tries to make us into the image and likeness of his son. And I suppose it could be said we could either become like his son or we could become like a kabuki. So take that message, put it in your coffee, take a big long swig of that coffee, see how it applies to you. And let your Heavenly Father speak to you on this on a personal level. See where it applies. Many of you have already gone through this process or in the middle of this <laughs> beat-down process. But I know for a fact that He is going to have those who have been prepared and who have been made into that image and likeness of the Son. Those are the ones who will rule and reign with Him. And it starts with deep and sincere honesty which is the true foundation of repentance and change and relationship. And one more time for those of you who are really black and blue or black and bloody and are really struggling and are really getting kicked from pillar to post, don't be all that concerned about selfishness at this point. Just lean into the Lord. Those warnings to the church from what I brought and what I believe Minister Claude brought and now Ricardo Garcia has seen, this is for people who have serious issues with pride, with legalism, with Phariseeism, with true impatience, with kingdom building. Well, in Matthew twelve twenty, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. It means he's not going to come put something even more heavy in your life. He's come to bring healing and restoration. He's a physician, not an executioner. And he's not going to further break something that is already broken. Rather, his efforts are going to be towards restoration. Restoration is for the broken. Chastisement are for those who haven't been broken. I just want to say that because I know the enemy will come in and can bring self-condemnation when there should be no condemnation. So hopefully that bears witness with your spirit for those of you that this applies to. My apologies that this video went so long, but I think you can see why. There is simply a lot going on. So naturally, there's a lot of information that needs to be passed on. I pray it all blesses you, and I pray you all take it to the Lord. And I pray there's not too many more stepping stones. Maranatha.